Written by Marcus Humman, Bobby Boyd, and Jeff Hanna in 1994, the song Bless the Broken Road was made famous by the band Rascal Flats in 2004, and it is still well known to this day. Perhaps you know the song, the lyrics within the chorus go something along the lines of every long lost dream led me to where you are, others who broke my heart, they were like northern stars pointing me on my way into your loving arms. This much I know is true, that God blessed the broken road that led me straight to you. I bet you all thought I was going to sing that, didn't you? Well, you're not going to get that lucky today. Um, This song is frequently used within wedding ceremonies, especially here in the South, as the song depicts incredibly well a long and painful wait coming to an end. Whether it be marriage, a job, kids, graduation, or perhaps even simply the end of an epidemic, many of us wait and long for many things, yet sometimes those things seem to never come when we desire. Oftentimes prayers go unanswered, and we feel as if God does not care about our circumstances, our life, our hopes, or even our dreams. What I have learned and what people have probably told you in the past is that God's timing for all things is perfect. And while many of us like to believe that and live by that, we still sometimes have a fear that maybe we have to do things on our own. You know, I've been reflecting on my own life here recently in the past few days, weeks, months. I mean, truthfully, I'm always reflecting on the past. We all do, but something that I have realized is that a lot of the prayers I've prayed in the last two years have not been answered. All but one prayer have I noticed got to answer, and I'm talking prayers such as life events and happenings rather than prayers for a parking spot at the grocery store. And that prayer has simply been, God, shape me into the man that you want me to be. Seeing that God is the potter and I am the clay, this is a prayer I've frequently prayed and still continue to pray to this day. And as I look back, I'm well aware of many situations, circumstances, and life events that God has used to shape me and to mold me. And as I look back on other prayers, such as prayers for a future spouse or a full-time job and ministry and other personal things along those same lines, I notice that God has not answered those prayers or rather that his prayer to those answers his answer to those prayers have been no or not yet this could be enough to cause some frustration or rage or anger within me perhaps even some ill will or distrust towards god but i know for a fact that all of those things are and still are for the best For example, if I indeed had gotten a full-time job in ministry or the long-desired spouse I prayed earnestly for, and still do to this day, it would have stumped the growth that God was allowing. It would have been as my mother, grandmother, aunt, or any female role model in my life as, as a child has put it, putting a brick on my head. The truth is, God knows what we can handle. We know this to be true because of Paul's writings to the Corinthian church thousands of years ago. Paul wrote these words that can be found in Corinthians 10, uh, verse 13. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
putting aside the the idea of temptation, God knows what we are able to bear. And if my prayers would have been answered, if my will had been put before God's, then I would not have been able to bear some of the things that came to pass in my life. And I also would have missed out on some of the amazing things that God has taught me through those difficult moments that came to pass. So God bless the broken road that led me to where I am now. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. My name is John, and the purpose of this podcast is simply to pursue, explore, and study God's Word. And recently, we began a series of talks titled, How Do You View Jesus? The purpose of this series has been to explore how people in Jesus' day viewed Jesus and how we can learn from their viewpoint. In the first episode of this series, we learned that Jesus is so much more than a teacher and that he cares deeply about his disciples. In the second episode of the series, we learned that Jesus does not want us to fall at his feet in fear, worry, or regret, but rather that he wants us to fall at his feet in faith, worship, and reverence. In this episode, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, which is in Mark chapter 5, verse 35. So if if you want to grab your Bible, feel free to do that now. Like I said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 35. But before we get into that, let's get kind of caught up on what has happened leading up to this. A man named Jairus has approached Jesus and asked for his help in healing his sick daughter. Jesus accepts the offer. And on their way to Jairus' house, a woman who has been subject to bleeding for 12 years, which means that this woman has been seen as ceremonially unclean for 12 years. This woman has been seen as worthless for 12 years. She reaches out and touches Jesus' cloak. Instantly, she is healed, and in fear of being reprimanded by Jesus, she hides from him. She shuffles back into the crowd around Jesus, but Jesus looks for her. And having found her, Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Which It's truly an incredible moment in Scripture, and this passage alone is talked about frequently within churches as it's a story of hope, encouragement, and is also a look inside Jesus' heart towards mankind. But what happens after? What about Jairus? You know, The guy whose daughter is incredibly sick. The guy who needed Jesus to come and heal his daughter. The guy who truly started this passage off in the first place. What's his story? Well, that's what we're going to read today, picking up in Mark chapter 5, verse 35. And it says this. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and told him, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him, Jesus did not let anyone follow him, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion, with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. 
He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. There are a lot of things to take from this passage in scripture, but the main thing that I want to focus on, there are a few different things, but number one, the men who approach Jairus tell him that his daughter has passed away, and they refer to Jesus as a teacher. This is in verse 35, where it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? And this is something that we explored in the first episode of this series, where we looked at the story where the disciples were in the boat with Jesus, and a storm came up, causing the boat to begin to sink, and the disciples turning to Jesus as their only hope call him teacher. That story is found in Mark 4, uh, verses 35 through 41, if you want to read it. Or you could go back and listen to the first episode of this series, uh, How Do You View Jesus? It's totally up to you. Um, but this instant is different. These men in this story, in this moment, this passage, are calling Jesus teacher because that's what they see him as. Different from the disciples who had spent a lot of time with Jesus, they had seen Jesus perform miracles, they had heard all of Jesus' teachings up to that point, and they knew deep within themselves that Jesus was indeed more than a teacher. These men who approached Jairus had not seen that much of Jesus. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer says this, To start, Jesus was a rabbi, Hebrew meaning teacher. Yes, he was more, the Messiah, the embodiment of God himself. I deeply believe that. But if you'd been a first century Jew and Jesus showed up in your synagogue one Sabbath morning, the odds are the category you would have put him in was that of a rabbi or a traveling sage. So these men who had potentially never heard of Jesus, never heard Jesus teach, never seen Jesus perform miracles, called Jesus a teacher. And rightfully so, because they had no reason to believe that Jesus is anything more than a teacher. Jairus, on the other hand, approached Jesus because he believed that Jesus was more than a teacher. Jairus, being a synagogue leader, had seen Jesus. He had heard Jesus' teachings, and perhaps he had even seen some of the miracles that Jesus performed. So imagine this, you're Jairus. You've seen this guy teach in your synagogue, which, just a reminder, is essentially like what the church of today would have been in that time period. You've heard this guy's teachings, you've maybe seen him perform miracles, and there's just something about him. Something about this teacher is different from others. Something about his words, his character, it's different. And it's different in a good way. Jairus begins to become intrigued by Jesus. Perhaps on, this, on his time off, Jairus would follow Jesus around and listen to what Jesus says and to see what Jesus does. Then one day, Jairus finds out that his daughter, his 12-year-old little girl, is sick. He calls all the doctors, prays all the right prayers. Remember, he is a, essentially a church leader. 
So he prays the right prayers. He does everything he knows he possibly can, but nothing works. She's still sick and she will most likely die. But then Jairus remembers something or someone. Jairus rushes to Jesus, falls at Jesus' feet, and asks for Jesus' help. And Jesus agrees. Jesus begins, begins walking with Jairus towards Jairus' home. And Jairus thinks, this is it. Jesus is going to perform another miracle. Jesus will heal my daughter for sure. But then things come to a stop when someone touches Jesus' cloak. Jesus stops, turns around, and begins looking for the one who touched his cloak. I imagine Jairus becoming somewhat worried, stressed, angry, temperamental. The one hope you have left is now taking his time on a time-sensitive mission. I imagine Jairus tugging at Jesus' robe, saying, Come on, Jesus. I'm, I'm sure it's nothing. Like, let's go. Come on. But Jesus continues to look and finds that it was a woman who was ceremonially unclean. This was a woman that Jairus would have walked past every day on his way to work. Someone that Jairus would have not let inside his own church. And Jesus is taking time for her, Jairus thinks. Now the stress or worry or frustration has turned into a boiling anger. I imagine Jairus saying to himself, we don't have time for this. And then it's too late. Then people from Jairus' house, people Jairus trusts, perhaps even the doctors who were there to take care of Jairus' daughter, approach Jairus and say, She's dead, Jairus. It's over. Leave this teacher guy alone. There's nothing he can do. The reality sets in for Jairus. His shoulders drop along with a little bit of hope that he had left. And notice what Jesus says to Jairus. This is picking back up in verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Why does Jesus say, don't be afraid? Because he knew that Jairus was afraid. But what was it that Jairus was afraid of? Jairus was afraid that perhaps Jesus was no more than a teacher after all. Jairus was afraid that this man he had put his hope in was nothing more than an ordinary man. That Jesus was not the savior he thought he was. Having nothing left, however, G Jairus agrees to bring Jesus back home anyways. I imagine this walk is incredibly silent. Jairus is staring at the ground and kicking rocks, and Jesus is staring at Jairus with a broken heart. But listen to what happens next. He, Jesus, did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. This is not a laugh of like a ha-ha, good one, Jesus, ha, good one, that's funny. No, they are laughing at Jesus in disgust. Disgust that Jesus would even dare suggest that their daughter, whom they know is dead, is merely asleep. But the story doesn't end there. Picking back up in verse 40, 
says this. After he put them all out, so Jesus gets all the people that are in the house that are most likely very frustrated with Jesus, and they're crying and they're wailing. He takes them all out, puts them outside. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Tylitha Kohn, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and, to, and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus did it. Jesus heals the little girl. And notice Jairus' reaction. He is completely astonished. Jairus learns in this moment that he was right after all, that Jesus, that this Jesus guy is indeed far more than a teacher. Jairus now views Jesus not as his last hope, but as the savior of his daughter and as Lord over death. Perhaps now Jesus, or sorry, perhaps now Jairus accepts Jesus, not as just a good teacher, but as his new Lord. Jesus walked with Jairus down the broken road, the road that leads to the little girl's healing and the road that leads to Jairus' realization of Jesus' lordship. Let me tell you this, God's timing is perfect. I know you've heard it before. I know it doesn't always make sense. It definitely did not for Jairus. Jairus' daughter had died. The mission was over. All hope was lost. But God, but Jesus is Lord over death itself, and his timing is perfect. It's important to know. It's important to view Jesus not as a genie in a bottle, whose sole purpose is to answer our prayers or grant our wishes, but rather as a sovereign God who knows what we need more so than we do. I heard a friend of mine say recently that it makes sense that the one who made the human heart would know what's best for it. The season you are in right now may not bring the things you hope, but it will bring the things you need so long as you trust in, believe in, and follow Jesus. That's what Jesus meant when he told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Believe in what? Believe that Jesus is in control and that his timing is perfect. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that your timing is perfect, that you know what we need more so than we do. God, I just ask and pray that you would be with us and that even if you are not answering our prayers or that your answer is no, that we would still feel your peace, your love, and your joy. I ask that you would walk with us through the difficult seasons, uh, that we would follow you through those difficult seasons, through and down the broken road. But God, I also pray that even in the good seasons, when things are going incredibly well, that we would continue to put our faith, our hope in you, and that we would continue to pursue you so closely. God, you are so, so good. You do care about us, and your timing is perfect. Give us the faith, the courage, and the strength to believe that 
and to live it out as well. I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, I hope that you all will tune in next week as we continue on in this series, How Do You View Jesus? Peace.